somebody somebody needs a nappy poo. <laughs> somebody needs a nap and not to get woken up by it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Wow. So, um, welcome to our show. Uh, What's with the neighbors? Um, That is Bree, and that is Amy, and we are a true crime and paranormal podcast. And we have a guest on the show today. We do. Hi, I'm Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Heidi, tell us uh, what you're doing here. Yeah, okay. what are you? What the heck are you doing on our show? <laughs> How did you get out here? <laughs> uh, well, I help organize a Bigfoot Expo here in Fairbanks. It's called the Boreal Bigfoot Expo, and uh, I'm here to tell you a little bit about it and some of the people that we're going to have there because it's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, Fairbanks doesn't always get these really cool big shows right. like this, so this is going to be kind of a fun one. Uh, we have several uh, cryptid researchers around the state of Alaska, and we're bringing them here to Fairbanks uh, for this expo. That's uh, amazing. Some, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of them have been on things like uh, the Alaska Triangle. Uh, they've been in documentaries like On the Trail of Bigfoot, uh, the Port Chatham uh, Hairy Man. Oh, uh, Yeah. Some- yeah, some of them are authors, uh, and we have Dr. Jeff Meldrum coming here. If you don't wow. know who he is, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, he is an author of this book, which is Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. He's also a very world-renowned university professor from the state of Idaho. And wow. Yeah, and uh, he specializes in um, the evolution of bipedalism in hominids, which is humans that walk upright. So he applies that science to the Bigfoot phenomenon, and he has over 300 track casts, and he'll have some track casts here for sale that you can purchase. He will sign them for you. He will sign them for you. Yeah, and uh, I actually have one of his casts on the wall here. Uh, this <gasps> one. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, so this one's actually not of a foot. If you can tell what this is, this is knuckles and a thumb that <sighs> he did. Um, and this piece actually, I believe, actually came with um, uh, when they found it, there was actually a butt print in the mud as well that they kept. <laughs> And um, it looked like whatever animal that this came from or creature that this came from had sat in the mud, rolled over, and used its knuckles to prop itself up and get back up. Right. So I really wanted one of these because you, you see the the foot track casts at right. a lot of these extensions. But yeah. Knuckles. Those are massive, hand. too. Yeah, look at my hand compared that to That is the, wild. Um, yeah. So I would have taken the butt print. Yeah, well, I I might have if he'd had one with him, but uh, yeah, so we're going to have some cool stuff there. Um, We're also going to have Small Town Monsters there, which is a production they've done 
dozens of really great documentaries everywhere from the Blair Witch to the Jersey Devil and the Mothman and Alaska and they have this series called On the Trail of Bigfoot and um, they have three here in Alaska right now two called the Alaskan Coastal Sasquatch part one and part two and then this one which is The Last Frontier where they come more into the interior of the state wow yeah, we're going to have um, Alex Petikoff and Eli Watson from the Small Town Monsters team, and they'll be screening two of their documentaries there. So if you follow that series, that's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. That is amazing. This is going to be a big deal for Fairbanks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. For Alaska. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And um, yeah, we're going to have some cool workshops. There's going to be a workshop each day to learn how to uh, do your own track casting. Um, And they will, they're going to, they're going to do imprints off of a real cast of a Bigfoot footprint. And so you'll be able to keep your casting that you take uh, from, or that you make there. So that'll be a lot of fun neat that's insane that's wow that's really cool yeah yeah and then we will have some um vip dinner tickets um there will be a dinner each night where some of our guest speakers will be at one some will be at the other um jeff meldrum is guaranteed at the first one small town monsters is at the second one and um some of our other guest speakers will be there as well so that's a limited ticket thing um but uh, it'll give attendees a chance to get a more personal interaction with some of our guest speakers, right. talk with a more one-on-one. So that'll be a lot of fun for, for folks in the area, too. Yeah. Now, when do those, do you know when those go on sale? The tickets, are they already the on sale? Are, they are already on sale. You can get them at BorealBigfootExpo.com. I know that's kind of a, a mouthful, but um, I can drop you guys a link if you want to put it in your description. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that we have it on hand. We'll put and it on all our social medias as well. Right. Great. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And uh, yeah, it's going to be June 10th and 11th. Uh, so it'll be a, a Saturday, Sunday. So if you can make it into Fairbanks, you know, it'll be a great time of year and really nice and sunny the snow will all be gone and And will they have door tickets can you purchase the tickets at the door if you would like or do you have to purchase you have to purchase them online i believe but uh you can purchase them day of okay fine that's that's not a problem so okay and And yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna uh ask Nope, I forgot what I was going to ask. Go ahead. <laughs> it's going to be at the Carlson Center. That's so, what I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, we will have we will have um, maybe a couple of food trucks, but I believe we're going to have a beer garden there. Um, Hell the, yeah. The night before on Friday night, we're also going to have a Bigfoot and Brews social, which is kind oh. of an informal social. Some of our guest speakers might be there. It will be at the Hoodoo Brewing Company. So if you want to just come and mingle and hang out and talk to other people that are into cryptids or strange disappearances or, you know, aliens even, you know, there will be a lot of people there that are into that kind of stuff. So that's definitely right up our alley. Yeah, sounds like our crowd. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we are going to have a booth there also. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Come see us. Yeah. That'll be great. And you know, if you guys want to do some live podcast streaming or anything, you're welcome to. We are gonna try and set up um an area specifically for podcasters okay. that want to do episode or something there and interview some people uh so if you are interested in maybe being able to interview a couple of our guest speakers i'm sure we can arrange that for you that would be amazing absolutely yeah Yeah. great now heidi um you mentioned uh that you know quite a few things about cryptids in alaska what's your Mm -hmm. favorite one Oh gosh, that's that's actually kind of a, a hard one. I think there are two cryptids. They're actually from um Yupik folklore and I think Denina folklore. Um one is the Aklute, which is supposed to be um like an orca wolf hybrid yeah. or an- or an orca that can take the shape of a wolf when it oh, walks. Oh, wow. And then there's also um, what the natives call a, like a weasel bear or a king bear. And okay. it's, it's basically a gigantic polar bear. Oh, um, my, gosh. oh my gosh. It's called a yeah. weasel bear. Polar bears are already gigantic. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're um, you know, they, they're supposed to be bigger, longer in body, with, and, and their heads were almost weasel-like, which was why they called them a weasel bear. Oh, okay. um, but what's interesting about that is that just a few years ago, I think students from the University of Fairbanks or um, some kind of an archaeological outfit that was up on the North Slope actually found an ancient polar bear skull that was buried on the beach. And it was 20% larger than a regular polar bear's skull. So there's actually evidence to suggest these giant bears actually may have existed and it wasn't just uh you know a, a legend or right something. so i love that kind of yeah uh, cryptids yeah you know, there's evidence to show that this could have actually been a thing so mm-hmm. right have you ever That's seen amazing. anything any cryptid or i have okay so i haven't seen cryptids in alaska i have had a weird experience in alaska that I I I can only I, I can only classify it as high strangeness. I can't even call it a ghost story, but um, I have also seen some strange lights here as a kid, and I had some experiences while actually living in the Midwest that I would say fall under Bigfoot phenomenon. Okay. Now, actually, oh, okay. I didn't actually see anything, but I heard things. My dad was with me on one of the occasions. And my boyfriend was with me on another occasion, and um, we actually had rocks thrown at us um, that second time. So, um, wow. yeah, yeah. So I've had a few a few strange things happen, um, and like I said, I can't I can't pinpoint exactly what they were. Right. But my my experience up here, I had a. a experience as a kid where I met a man in my neighborhood who said that he was the brother of one of our neighbors 
and um, he was supposedly up here visiting on vacation, and he had a dog with him, and a dog whistle, and like a training toy to train her to retrieve ducks, basically. Right. And um, I seen him s- several days over the course of a week or so, and after that week, he he stopped coming around, but his dog would hang out at my bus stop for me and she kind of started hanging around our house and you know she'd play with me in the yard and um she started kind of sleeping in my dog's dog house and my parents were like well you need to take the dog back over to so-and-so's because uh you know maybe he went home and she got loose and they couldn't catch her or something so I took the dog over there and um, this woman was an elderly woman. She was in in her late 80s, maybe early 90s. And uh, she was quite terrified of me, I think, because she said that she did have a brother and he did train dogs and and he was from California, but he had been dead for 10 years. Whoa, I just got chills. Yeah. Whoa. She did not want the dog. She wanted nothing to do with the dog. She actually kind of shut the door in my face. Yeah, I can see why. (laughs) That's uh, so crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I had to take the dog home and tell my parents that there was no (laughs) me. I I, I feel like, you know, I I feel like my dad felt like I just really wanted to keep this dog. Right. (laughs) Stories. But um, my mom, she was more of the spiritualist in the family, and she immediately thought, oh, this dog is kind of special. And so she tried to help me convince my dad to keep it. And we were getting ready to go to Hawaii, actually, that year. That was my birthday present, was they were going to take me and Kyle, my brother, to Hawaii. And uh, my dad was like, if the dog is still here, when we come back, I will let you keep it. And... uh, when we came back, the dog was gone, and the, the house sitter that we had that was watching our dog said she never saw it the whole time she came around. Now, that could have just been my dad called somebody to come get Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Went off to a farm. The, the mystery of the man, though, was um, something that I never, you know... I, I, I could never explain or, or figure out. Wow. Uh, there was, though, there was um, a toy. My dad had given me a piece of, like, rope that you'd tie a boat off with and it tied knots in each end for me to play with the dog with. And right. that toy had also disappeared. Oh. Several years late. Well, it would probably be two or three years later. My dad decided to move down to the Midwest. And on the, like, second to last day before we were leaving, I found that dog toy in a coffee can up on this hill behind my house where I had played dozens and dozens of times. And I had never seen that coffee can there before. It had never been there before. So that was also really weird. That wow. And that show up then at that at that point right it was just such a weird thing to happen and you know it was probably my first time having anything unexplainable happen to me 
So that's always really stuck with me through through my life, you know. That so. is unexplainable. Like you said, that's wow. That is a really cool experience though, I have yeah. to say. Like it's not like one that terrifies you. I mean, it's a little it's definitely creepy, but like it is really neat. Harmless. Yeah. It was harmless. Yeah. Except for the dog. Where'd the dog go? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I really feel like my dad probably had it taken to our local shelter because he probably did not another dog. But but uh, yeah, it it was just it, it was one of those weird things because the dog was absolutely real. And, you know, Alaska's kind of remote. And this was the, the mid 90s. So even a little more remote at that time. Right. And we did live in a neighborhood, but I mean the gal's name her name was Flo and and that's not a very common name I mean no. in a little neighborhood the the odds of there being two in in the same neighborhood and me not knowing that is very slim I knew almost almost everyone in right. the neighborhood it was so. the 90s everybody knew their neighbors yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's with the neighbors yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's my what's with the neighbor story. So. That's wild. That <laughs> that's was cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, that was very special. Thank you. You're very welcome. So to uh, follow up, Carlson Center, what days are uh, for the Bigfoot Expo? June 10th and 11th. They'll go from, it'll go from, I believe, nine to six the first day and nine to five the second day. And then uh, afterwards, we'll have the um, VIP dinners for those select guests that purchased those tickets for that. And you can get the tickets online at BorealBigfootExpo.com. And we'll put the link in uh, on all of our social medias and down in the description down below. So um, we appreciate you coming out and uh, sharing those special stories yeah. with us. and. Absolutely. Uh, promoting the the expo that we will be at we are so, so excited to go to it so oh yeah We're we heard girl. about it and we jumped right on it we're like we have to get in on this <laughs> the sun's awesome so that's amazing i can't wait to meet you guys in person us too yeah. well All thank right. you for having or thank you for having us thank you for coming on to our yeah. show <laughs> thank you for having me <laughs> thank you heidi thank you you, you too. too we'll talk to you later no Okay. Yeah. Better not be doodling. I'm gonna be asking questions after this. Okay. Um. So you, I went first last week. Okay. But I have a question for you before. Okay. So, um, what would the title of your autobiography be? Tiny but mighty. Tiny but mighty. What um, are you, the Mighty Mouse? Badass Brie. I don't know. Something badass. Badass Brie. The bold and the Brie. The bold, the beautiful, easy no, breezy, beautiful. beautiful brie. There we go. That's a good one. Um, but I kind of want something in there about me being short, but I'm still awesome about being short. Badass. Badass. Badass brie. That ass brie. But also, like, I like, like some, you know, like Can some you move? slang in there. Just like some slang or some, I don't know. Because, you know, I'm, a, I'm not afraid to be above the the law or the offensiveness, I guess. Because I'm a badass. A citizen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I hate being asked these questions. I love these questions. Okay, well, then I'm going to stop asking you. Because then later on, I will think of a way cooler answer, and I'm going to call you, and I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to be like, just like when you told me what was what would be my song Your to song. walk into a room, and I called you that one day, and I'm like, change my mind. I know what song I'm going to walk into. Any no, ACDC. That yeah, that yeah. was one of them. Oh, okay. Any ACDC. AC. ACDC. You know that brand. That. Band. Yeah, that, that that those letters that are always on T-shirts, you know, yeah. they look pretty cool. The ones that talk about um, AC, they talk conditioners. about um, uh, we Air are the champions. Yeah, um, you know that's what they sing. And they, I think they. By also... the way, because I know I'll get a text about it, Cody. I know that they don't sing "We Are the Champions." I'm not a dumbass. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I know. He'll be like, right. by the way, they don't sing that. <laughs> Does Josh listen to ACDC? Yeah. I mean, like, not, like... Willingly? Yeah, but, like, his dad's, like, really, really big into, like, classic rock. Okay. Which is awesome. And so, like, he listens to, like, all the classic rock, except they listen to a lot... They also listen to, like, a lot of Rush. They're huge Rush people. Oh, my gosh. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Rush. Slap in the bass. Okay. Slap in the bass. That's the only reason I love Rush is <laughs> because too. of that movie. Um, what about you? Um, this one was really easy for me um, because I've been actually writing my own autobiography my entire life. Um, so, like, I just, every day, like, I just go out and write it. I'm just kidding. That's a lie. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like a diary? Yeah. I mean, that Anne Frank. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's on all my social medias, actually. It's, I'm sorry if I ruin this by participating. <laughs> so. Accurate. <laughs> that is what mine would be. Oh. And literally, you'd be like, story of my life. Story of my life. <laughs> literally. Ruin this is everything. the story of my <laughs> life. Takes <laughs> <Taste> last. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Aww. laughs> wah, wah. Will pleasantly surprise you. <laughs> so, um, since I went first last week, I'm going to tell you my neighborhood story. Okay. I got this from Reddit. And it says, my neighbors across the street were completely normal, but one day their sister moved in with her six kids from several different dads. A few moments or a few months after... A few months later, there were cop cars all over my street. Very strange since I lived in a pretty normal middle-class neighborhood. I found out that the sister had been pregnant and denied it to my neighbors for months. I don't think she needs to tell people that she's pregnant, but okay. (laughs) She had the baby in the house and killed it, then hid the baby in the backpack for several days. Whoa. Eventually, my neighbors found out and called the cops on her. Yeah. Where did that happen? I don't did know. you look it in? You should look into that. Oh my gosh! That's don't really look sad. into that. Yeah, I don't, don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear it. That's depressing. That's just like the baby built into that house. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Oh, man. But also, like, same. If I had six kids, I'd be like, I ain't having another. <laughs> There's no more mouths to feed no in this house. No more mouths to okay, feed. Okay, but that also, that's really sad. Also, like, <laughs> adopt. there's other options, people. Yeah. Like. You can literally go drop your baby off at a fire department. Yeah. And no questions will be asked. Exactly. They have boxes for it. Yeah. Seriously. 
Yes, I know. I've seen we them. mention it all the time. I know. <laughs> I I wish I could drop this one off. This <laughs> she's next to me. She's nine. What's the expiration date? <laughs> Return policy. Eighteen. You still got some years. You got nine more years. <laughs> hey, are you gonna tell me about that thing first? The phone call. Oh. So it was, was it last week or the week before? I think it was last week when I told you about the Venmo guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got to so, try to give you all that money. Did you tell, talk about that on the podcast? I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast. I can't remember. That's okay. Someone but, tried to give Amy money. Yeah. So this guy tried to give me money, $560. And then I was, I wrote back and I was like, what sick joke is that uh, he, he, he had, he had Venmo take the money back. Which was a lot better than me just sending the money back to him. Um, because then it would have been recorded with... Ven- well, I guess it would have been recorded with... Anyways. So, um, I wrote... I commented on it. I said, what sick joke? What sick April Fool's joke is this? Or something like that. I wanted that money. Blah, blah, blah. Today, he messaged me. Or he sent me a $560 request through Venmo and said, Amy, can you please, I accidentally sent you this money. Can you please send it back? Do the right thing and send it back to me. And is I was he like, a scammer? it is a scammer because he already took the money back. Yeah. And I wanted, I, ha- he gave me his phone number. So I wanted to call him, but my phone's almost oh, dead. Man, you know, Venmo is connected with PayPal and PayPal like guarantees you to get like your safety with your money. Venmo and I PayPal didn't send him are any together. Money. I know, but I'm saying for anybody else who has that happen, PayPal and Venmo are like partner. They're partnered up. I didn't know that. Yeah. Josh found that out because he had something happen through Venmo where, oh, yeah, it was someone buying something or hit, no, he bought something and they were a fake seller and oh. they scammed him and he got his money back through PayPal and that person got reported. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. But PayPal's really good about getting your money back. So, well, I wanted, to, you. I wanted to call this guy and be like, bro. Like, you didn't think you? I was going to call you, did you? <laughs> <laughs> but I want to star 69 it because remember you and I yeah. just tested star that out. Star 69 still works, guys. Yeah. So I wanted to star 69 it. I was going to call for my work phone and do that, but I was so busy today. Shoot, I forgot to turn my mic down. A it's okay. Notch. That's okay. Um, Sorry, yeah. So, yeah. I was like, did you forget that uh, you already took the money back? Like, I'm not dumb. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, what so. a jerk. What's his name? I can't remember. My phone is almost dead. I left it out, out in the living room. It's from Texas. It's probably George. Fake. Fred. And whatever the name is, it's not him. It's a different name. Freddy. He catfished me. Yeah. Catfish you money. Except for I didn't fall for it. Yeah, sucker. I work for True Crime Paranormal Podcast, and I also am a lawyer, so I know that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm like an investigator. No, for the record, I am not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, those fast things at the end of the infomercials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did one this week out of the book. Oh, yay! I'm doing Washington, D.C. <gasps> the great capital of our brilliant and beautiful country. I want to throw this pin at you. I'm so excited. Oh, okay. I don't know why I am. Oh, okay. That's, I'm so excited. I'm not going to throw the pin at you. Please not. <laughs> I'm like watching you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so um, excited. So I don't know why. I'm I doing... love, first off, I love 
love, love American history. Oh, yeah. I do, too. Um, uh, uh, constitutional, that type of history. Oh, okay. Like that. I just love American history. Yeah. I mean, it, it's where we live, so that's pro obviously why. Okay. Second thing that you've said today that makes me think that you're a sovereign citizen. A what? Sovereign citizen. It's like someone that they're, I've talked to you about this before. It's like someone that they don't think that they need to abide by the laws. (laughs) Yeah. They're a country of one. It's my house. Are you sure? Yeah. It's the snow melting. Tired of hearing noises. We don't know what that noise was last week. Okay. Um, I am. Um, No, I'm not. Look at the way he's looking at what he's like. He's looking at something. Because he, he he was he looked like he was gonna jump on Alice for the longest time. He looks pissed. <laughs> he's not in the way of the camera though. No, he's not. He's like just there. <laughs> it's kind of cool because there's like a little fur in your camera view. It looks like you got like uh, uh, feather boas all around you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So I'm doing the old stone house in Washington D.C. Okay. Uh, the Old Stone House, and I guess that's exactly what it's called, is the Old Stone House. It's an Old Stone House. It's very creative. That's all. That's all the history I'm giving you. Old Thank Stone you. House. That end. So it is located at 3051 M Street in D.C. It was built in 1765 by Christopher and Rachel Lehman. Not long after the year that it was built, Christopher unexpectedly died, leaving behind Rachel. I don't know how he died. I didn't even know if he died in the house. So, do you, When you say one room, do you think it's just like... It's like, literally like a loft from what it sounded like. It was a one-story Everything was out in the open. Okay, that's what, it. From what it sounded like to me. Okay, okay. Um, the kitchen was even hardly a kitchen. Uh, over the next two, over the next two years, uh, Rachel was remarried and sold the home to another widow, fellow widow club, uh, named Cassandra Chu. Cassandra was an upper middle class member who owned many properties in the area, and along with that wealth, um, she also had six slaves working for her it is kind of necessary to talk about that right um and i'm not sure if she actually owned them i think she just had them working for her because i don't know the stories were just weird so um in 1767 cassandra added the rear kitchen as well as the second floor and then eventually would add a third floor addition that were and they were all completed by 1790 I want to stop for a second. Mm-hmm. Having slaves is awful. Like, that should have never happened yeah, to anybody. Wrong. But what a girl boss. Yeah, I know, right? Like, that's I thought about that the whole time I was reading about her because she had, like, all these properties and, like, yeah. she's a businesswoman. She was just so. a business. She was just getting it. She's building it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 1807, the home was passed down from Cassandra to her daughter, Mary Smith Brumley who was also wealthy and used the home as a place of residence and business. So she was pr- pretty similar to her mother. Okay. Um, she also had slaves working for her. Um, so the home served as many businesses throughout its life, um, such as a hat business, tailors, locksmiths, clock ma- clockmakers, uh, roofers, house painting business, and in 1953, it was a used car, car dealership. Oh. Yeah. Really just 
That's they random. pop up everywhere sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She's like, hey, welcome to the old stone house. I guess they like made the whole backyard into like concrete where all the cars were or something. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of sad though. Yeah. Um, not long after that, sometime between 1953 and 1960, it was then purchased by the government for $90,000, which in today's money is $911,500, um, and transferred it to the National Park Service for, speaking of Parks and Rec, <laughs> for Park management. Rec. It was renovated and opened to the public in 1960. Holy cow. So, That's a lot of money for back then. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. such a small. Yeah. Well, there's some there's some theory on the history of why it was worth so much. So gold uh, after the Revolutionary War, America needed a new capital. It was agreed that Virginia and Maryland would give up some land to create the new city, D.C. Uh, President George Washington appointed Pierre Charles L. L. Effant. <laughs> that's, I just realized that's the funniest name ever. It's literally L dash infant. It's infant. L infant. It's not. <laughs> L infant. Who did that L-fant. to them? <laughs> They're like, hey, let's make this guy's middle initial L. <laughs> L infant. <laughs> he appointed Charles Pierre Charles L. Infant to design the city's layout. In, in 1791, in 1791, he and the president would hold their survey meetings in Souter's Tavern, owned by John Souter. And Souter's son, John Souter, was renting a home, a room at the Old Stone House. For years, it was believed that the president Washington and um. Ellen Fant were meeting at the Old Stone House. This prompted a sign to be hung on the home that cur- proclaimed the house to be George Washington's headquarters. Ooh. And this was evidently the reason why uh, the National Park Service was like, hey, we got to make sure this place is protected. It's got to be like important. Right. This is where our first president would come. Um, but later on, it was discovered by historians that actually was not true, oh. and um, they didn't find that out until after they'd bought it. That's so. embarrassing for them. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, it's still, like, it, it is still the oldest building, um, the oldest structure, I believe, pre-revolutionary structure in D.C., so. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Okay, so, let's talk about why we're all here. We do like the history, though. So, over the years, at least 11 different spirits have been known to haunt this residence. Some include a woman near the fireplace in a brown 1700-style dress. A little girl with curly hair has been seen running up the, up and down the stairs. Another woman in an antebellum, antebellum dress. Um, antebe- antebellum clothing, sorry. And... Um, She's been seen on the stairs and in the kitchen. A man in short pants and long stockings in the kitchen. A man with long blonde hair and a blue jacket. So, like, descriptive descriptive on all the clothing. Yeah, they, um, that's kind of actually kind of crazy. He's been seen in the front room window. A young boy named Joey and a young black boy in the hallway has been seen on the third floor. 
a carpenter thought to be Christopher Lehman and a colonial era man in the master bedroom and another colonial era man on the second floor and George. So there's like lots and George and there's like <laughs> George. lots of different like clearly there's lots of different things going on in this house. So there is I want to I don't know, know if some of them girl. are the same. Yeah. Um you're not going to. That's the thing. So oh. I, I'll get into it. Okay. So first, George is not so nice. I just want to. Is that why he that. doesn't get a last name? And George, <laughs> he's just George, and he's really not nice to women. Oh. Um. So nothing that I know of tragic has happened there. Uh huh. So like, I can't give you information on any of these people. They do believe that one of the men, one of the colonial men, could be the original owner, Mister. Uh, layman who built it because okay. he i believe people say that he's like a carpenter and he's been described as a carpenter or the spirit has been um but you know it's 200 years old and it's pre-revolutionary it's only War, 200 so. years old i mean that's pretty old for america that makes yep i knew that um so let's talk about george why did i think america was a lot older than that <laughs> because of all of our other stories that talk about all these other that's why it blows my mind when i hear about places that are like thousands of years old and i'm just like whoa whoa it's wild so uh dear old george has been known to attack people by biting scratching pushing and choking them holy cow it's believed that he hates women and will attack them first when they enter the third floor bedroom oh my gosh it was rumored that he had stabbed someone and sexually assaulted some. What? Yeah, I would not mess with George. Uh, visitors have reported the feeling of dread and cold spots. Uh, disembodied voices, especially from the third floor, have been heard. Apparitions of translucent women have been seen. Whoa. Cooking in the kitchen and also holding lanterns. EVPs of grunts, growls, and whispering have been caught. Sounds of children running and laughing can be heard. And I don't like that, but people, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, me too. Especially, like, up and down the stairs. And people have seen the faces of men and women staring out the windows. Sorry, right. I felt the need to check You're it. You're okay. Um, so, I told you this was a pretty short story. Uh-huh. I have a couple little tiny reviews or people's personal experiences here. So, time for... Oh, yep! is it? I'm scared reviews. Oh, yay. I love these. <laughs> I've only got two, but oh, that's they're, okay. they're pretty good ones. So, Wait, what is it today then? Is it, it it's just a museum? Yeah, it, it's a tour. Yeah, a it's tour. a museum, okay. essentially. Yeah. You probably said that, but I probably. It's open to the public, is all I said. I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so this person said it is a quaint and charming peak into colonial pre-american revolution revolution days okay uh he said or she said ghost voices are sometimes heard coming from the empty third floor rangers have reported a man and a woman in argument and a nine or ten year old i don't know how you can tell how old a kid is by their voice um (laughs) also speaking to them whoa Uh, when the rangers start to go from the second floor to the third the voices stop and it is quite uh, quiet and spooky. This next one was from a website called 
pocketsite.com. Okay. And I'm not sure if, I think it was just a, like a blogger site. Yeah. Who goes and explores like these different places. But this person did not have a very good experience here. Oh, no. Um, it says, something at the Old Stone House just feels wrong. My wife and I visited Old Stone House twice. The first time was overnight, October 11th. Old Stone House has a foreboding present presence. For my wife and me, there was something ominous about it. Like, we shouldn't be there and certainly weren't welcome. The faint glow from upstairs work lights permeated the whole place. At one point on the first floor toward the back, I thought I saw something move, but I freely admit it could have been a case of the jitters. We meandered around the property for a while, taking photos and talking, trying to determine where the various sources of light were coming from. And that's all I got from that one. So they so just definitely welcome. Very spooky. Yeah, and weird lights coming from different places and yeah. possibly may have seen an apparition. Interesting. So. Uh, so as of today, the Old Stone House is open to the public for tours and is even a stop on, from what sounds like, numerous ghost tours in D.C. So I'm sure there are oh my gosh. tons of ghost tours there. Um, it has been restored and renovated to take you back to pre-revolutionary times. It's the oldest unchanged building structure in D.C. and over 200 years old. That is so cool. And I want to go there. The Old Stone House in Washington, D.C. Thank you. You're welcome. I really want to go there now. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. Um, it definitely looks like it would take you back in time for I'm sure. I'm gonna Google it. Yeah, you should. It's um, it it's crazy because they talk about how like the first floor, um, the first floor is so dated from the other two floors because the first people that owned it didn't sound like they had a lot of money right because the only thing they had to their name was like their furniture and their bibles and their tools and stuff yeah and like they built this one room place yeah that was just for Enough what for they them. needed yeah. yeah and then this lady comes in and adds two more floors and they said the other the top two floors are completely different like houses to walk into it's like a completely different house that's kind of cool that she kept the first floor the way it was yeah yeah Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, maybe they, maybe she had added to it beforehand, and maybe they like took it away and restored it. Oh, maybe. Maybe yeah. like looked at building records or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, but that's the old stone house. Go check it out, in DC. All right, I will. I'm gonna be there tomorrow. So all right, thank I you. I gotta go to DC tomorrow <laughs> tonight. Um, so I took a different uh turn this week. I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about nursery rhymes. Oh, I'm so excited. I've been wanting you to do this. So, you know the song London Bridges. London Bridges falling down. Yeah. Falling down. Falling down. London Bridges falling down. My fair lady. There's going to be lots of singing in this episode. Can um, you sing it creepier, though? London Bridges falling down. <laughs> now there's going to be like a bunch of 30 and 40 year olds and 20 year olds with like nursery rhymes stuck in their head. <laughs> You're welcome. It's not sorry. <laughs> um, so most of us growing up would sing the song while going under the ark formed by two other friends with the ark falling down when the song ends. 
There are a few theories of the of the origin of the song. Most commonly accepted one is the, the a su- supposed t- attack on Olaf II of Norway, which destroyed London, um, the London Bridge in the early thousands. So, uh, however, the historians cannot agree as to whether this is a true event or not. Another theory is that it's related to the superstition that human sacrifice has been made in order to keep the bridge upright because the arches are so thin, like at any point they could just collapse. So there was a superstition that you had to make a human sacrifice in order to keep it up. Um... The legend has it that when London Bridge was finally taken down in 1831, they found bodies inside the moorings, possibly linked to a form of medieval punishment when where a person is locked in a room and left there to die, and possibly serving as the said human sacrifice. And is that why they said, take the key and lock her up, lock her up, lock her up? I didn't know that was a part. You didn't know that? No. So when we just always sang London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down, London Bridge is falling down, my my fair fair lady. lady. That's it. And then you collapse the arches with your friends and your friend is in the middle. You say, take the key and lock her up, lock her up, lock her up, take the key and lock her up, my fair lady. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then and then the what? song ends. What? <laughs> that's the that's the London Bridge I grew up on. Oh my god. You probably are just know co- the Coca Melon <laughs> version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um another one. Ring around the posy. Rosie. Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. The common activity with the su- with this song is to lock hands with a friend or two, making a circle and skipping in a circle or running in a circle, um, and cl- and collapsing to the ground when this they sing when while singing "Ashes, Ashes, We All Fall Down." Right. But it's widely believed this rhyme is related to the time when thousands died during the Great Plague of London in 1665. An estimate of 15% of England's population died in the plague. I think it was the buponic. Buponic. Yeah, plague. The black plague. Yeah. Um, And the ashes were from the burning of the bodies. And they used a pocket full of posies, roses or, or some sort of flower, to cover the awful smell of the burned bodies. However, other historians believe this could be... You know, not very true. And instead, the attribute, the rhyme of the 19th century's religious ban placed on dancing among the Protestants to get around the ban. Adolescents invented the play party where they would have the the sing, the sing, this ring games instead of square dancing. Okay. So they would like, um... You know, the Protestants were like, no more dancing. 
And so the kids were like, well, instead, they, they like, made this game, quote, unquote, of ring around the rosy. Yeah, they just dancing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Typical kids. <laughs> <laughs> I like to believe it's the other one because that one's more more. more I, I grew up knowing that or yeah. thinking or hearing that, that rumor. And, yeah, I like to – it's really creepy and messed up. But, like, I also, know. like, why would we invent a happy song about that? <laughs> If if they invented that during the plague, that's f***ed up. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's sing about all the people dying around us. <laughs> That'll make it better. Well, it's like the meme with the dog with the fire. This is fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. We're just going to sing about all every- everything. Oh, what are you going to do, though? I mean, yeah. be depressed? or let's just Let's just sing about it. We're in a musical. <laughs> The whole life, <laughs> my whole life is a musical. <laughs> okay, so this one I didn't, I knew about it, but I didn't really grow up on this one a whole lot, but I've heard of it. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With silver bells and cock, cockle shells, cock, cockle shells, and pretty mates all in a row. I haven't really heard that one, but I watched a lot of Coca Melon. Was it Coca Melon? Or some sort of very same type of cartoon on YouTube of it. Because there's like, I gotta get this one right. So, it's there. It's, it's on YouTube. Nursery Rhyme YouTube. There you you should check out my history. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Mary Mary, quite contrary, first appeared in Tommy Thumb's Pretty Songbook in 1744. Since that time... Uh, people have argued about who Mary is in the song. The darkest um, interpretation says that the rhyme refers to the Catholic monarch Mary I of England, a.k.a. Bloody Mary. And they say that the garden, quote unquote, is the ver- is the ver- in the verse is England and the contraries refer to her bloody uh, persecutions of the protestants as for the silver bells and the cockle shells i don't think i'm saying that right it's c-o-c-k-l-e like the spinny ones the twirly ones i have no idea control i think it's control it's c-o-c-k-l-e there's no c-h in there i don't know cockle cockle Cockle. There you go. Cockle. I don't know. Cockle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that was coming from. <laughs> um. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> uh, so for the silver bells and the shells, they were torture devices used by Queen Mary's executioners on her president's subjects. Speaking of Mary... The first of England, a.k.a. Bloody Mary. You know the song, three blind mice, three blind mice, see how they run, see how they run. They all ran after the farmer's wife. She cut their tails with a carving knife. Did you ever see such a sight in your life? Three blind mice. Yeah, Charlotte sings that song in school. Like all the lyrics. She cut. And she cut the tails with a carving knife. I think maybe maybe not that one. I know that there's a newer version. Okay, maybe it's the newer yeah. version. But there's an even older version of that 
where it goes, three blind mice, three blind mice, Dame Lulin, Dame Lulin, the miller and the merry older wife, she mm -hmm. scrapped her tripe, like thou the knife. So. It's a pretty, pretty brutal song for a child to sing. So, <laughs> speaking of Bloody Mary, three blind mice refers to her older, or to her order, Three Blind Mice refers to her order to have three president bishops vicious, viciously torture, possibly including blinding, and burned to death. Oh, my God. The violent episode is corroborated by the original version of the words, which include the gory phrase, she scraped off the entrails and licked the knife. Ew. Which I just realized I missed a verse in that when I was copying and pasting the lyrics. Okay. <laughs> we know it up. now. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> she scraped off the entrails and licked the knife. So. Okay. Yeah. This is so cute. You know, my child sings nursery rhymes all the time. I know. She knows them really well, too. I was like. Because she learns them all in school. Like, they'll sing, like, they have their activity time. Yeah. And during that, they'll learn, like, new nursery rhymes and stuff. I don't know where she learns half of these. And I'm like, oh. I mean, I do know where she learns them. But I'm like, oh, I never knew the lyrics to those. Wow. There's they do a lot sing of Three ones. Blind Mice. They sing all the old classics, but not those versions. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder like the, why. Like the TikTok mouse went up the clock. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't do that one. But I read about that one. So this is my last one. And this one was referred by my one and only husband. You only he, have one? Actually, yeah. Oh. I oh, know I am a big fan of sister wives, but I'm yeah. not a big fan of husband brothers. Oh, okay. Well, I guess yeah. we can't be friends anymore. Unless, wait, didn't I propose to Josh? You did. <gasps> he can't. never accepted. No, he didn't. What a jerk. I know. Um, so it's their anniversary. happy anniversary to my parents. Happy anniversary. Um, well, oh, it'll yeah, be like a week Facebook. and a, a couple days by the time. I don't know how they've been married for like twenty million years. <laughs> <laughs> um so this one was referred to by my husband. Um and I'm just going to cut to a very uh, popular scene in the most watched uh, cartoon of Shrek. our time. Um, do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin the Man? The Muffin Man who lives on Drury Lane. He's married to the Muffin Man. <laughs> the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man! <laughs> Not the Grump Jump Grump Jump! That was my, I meant to tell you that that was my comfort movie. That is one That's of my a good biggest one. comfort movies. Yeah. Sorry. So, uh, the lyrics go, oh, do you know the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man? Do you know the Muffin Land who lives in Drury Lane? Oh, yes, I know the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man, the Muffin Man. Oh, yes, I know the Muffin Man who lives in Drury Lane. Well, in 1861, a man named Henry Mayhee traveled around London documenting all the different jobs which people did. He printed his notes in a book called London Labor and the London Poor. 
He included a section about the street sellers. Mayhe said that the most, most, quote unquote, muffin men were either the young sons of bakers or elder men who had once been bakers. There were a few girls in the trade, but not very few women. That's because they were busy over on the East Coast <laughs> of America being boss babes and making up real estate. Yeah. So in the 18th, 19th centuries, there was no laws to make sure that the ingredients in the food were safe. To keep bread cheap and produce in a large quantities, some bakers would put things like chalk or plaster of uh, plaster of Paris in it to make it look whiter and chunkier. Some bakers even would put aluminum-based powder, which is now used in washing detergents. Uh, so fun. It used to be in baby powder. And that is why everyone lived to only 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Muffin Man in the rhyme lives, and I, I gave you a little bit of a backstory on what Muffin Man would do. The Muffin Man in the rhyme lives on Drury Lake, which is right next to the Covenant, Covent Garden in London. In the 18th century, it was an extremely poor area and it had a terrible reputation. Many people went there to drink, gamble, and sometimes even commit crimes. The muffin, you can only commit crimes. <laughs> only some, sometimes <laughs> commit crimes. On Drury Lane. That's it. Um, so many people, uh, blah, 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 uh, the muffin man would have sold his muffins to many of the people who lived there and worked nearby. Poor Victorians spent long hours at work, usually working 12 hours a day with only Sundays off. That didn't leave them much time for cooking. Okay, it must have been a problem back then, too. What am I going to do? So few and a lot of them didn't even have kitchens. So and if there was a kitchen, there, like there would be like a, a communal uh, stove. Okay. And it was like That's a cool. big sl big fireplace that you could go to, but then you're risking contamination. Yeah, contamination, and it was really hot and smoky. Yeah. So many people chose to buy their food from the wide varieties of street sellers instead. There is a that known baker, the Muffin Man, Frederick Thomas Linwood. His shop was a popular spot for kids to visit. Where they would run and cause havoc, which what unsupervised child would yeah, not want to run around in a bakery? And cause havoc. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, supposed, supposedly Frederick wanted them to stay away from his shop, so he came up with a plan. He lured children intentionally to his shop by pulling a muffin on a string. Since food was scarce and pricey, most of these children are probably going without a meal or two, so they would see the muffin and go to grab it, and he would lure them in with the string. No. Um, once they would be inside, he would knock them out and kill them. <gasps> no. Children came up with this catchy sing song along rhyme to sing that supposedly was a way to warn other children to stay away from the bakery and to be wary of those around them <laughs> there was another theory that he would go around singing this song to members of the community until it caught on 
And when he would capture someone and bring them back to his shop and kill them, he would sing that second verse of, yes, I know the muffin man, the muffin man, the muffin man. And then he would kill them. That's it. That's that's some of the rhymes, nursery rhymes I have. That's terrible. That one, I mean, I, I kind of knew that one a little bit, but that was way more dark than I thought. Yeah. I love it. I don't have any, like, solid proof about them but those no are yeah the... it's just little folklores yeah yeah some they all started somehow they all start somehow so yep uh that was a good one i like that all right so this one is from next door and it says i understand they have a large supply of ted cruz signs down in hell someone <laughs> commented and please note we are not we don't political, care about so yeah. we don't give a shit about anything so yeah. whatever okay and someone commented, Ted Cruz sign. Where can I get a Ted Cruz sign for my mom's yard? Thanks. Someone commented, I understand they have a large supply of Ted Cruz signs down in hell. Go there to get one. <laughs> Go People to are so mean. People like, are... they just asked a question. In our opinion is, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say don't anything say at anything all. Don't say anything at all. Yeah. It's so mean, especially on social media. Yeah. You, you look like a, such a jerk. You do. You do. <laughs> like, Leave them be. Let them be. Who cares? <laughs> and, and for another thing, you're not going to change someone's opinion. Yeah. By commenting on somebody's post. Yeah. And it's their yard. Yeah. And it also. They want to put up an ugly political sign. Of <gasps> yeah. Something. Then let them. Let them. Anyway. <sighs> All um, right. Well, we're going to get uh check out. Oh, yeah. Uh, As you heard earlier in this episode, as long as it went well. <laughs> Check out the Bow Real Bigfoot Expo um, at bowrealbigfootexpo.com. There you can get your tickets. That's going to be in June on the 10th and the 11th. Um, and there's supposed to be a lot of really big people there, researchers, scientists, um, uh, professors and whatnot. Authors. Raffles, authors. Um, raffles, displays, interactive stuff. Um, lots of cool stuff going on. Go check out the website. You can see it all there and you can also get VIP tickets. And have you ah, have you checked in on the neighbors lately? What's <laughs> it? The neighbors. Bring Amy, Amy out. out. Psh, say hi to your cats for us. Don't get dead. Meow. Amy is not a lawyer. She cannot guarantee you. We do not give out lawyer advice. Anything that say will and be held against her. You cannot get out of jail with Amy. Do not believe her. Do not, do not pass go. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. She's married to the Muffin.